You're listening to audio from Kingsway Christian Church. If you'd like to check out more resources or donate to this ministry, please visit kingswaychurch.org. And there were shepherds living out in the fields nearby, keeping watch over their flocks at night. An angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were terrified. Can you imagine that moment? Out on a hillside, and all of a sudden, an angel of the Lord appears, and whatever exactly that moment looked like, all of a sudden, there's this bright light enveloping you. I can only imagine how terrifying that moment is. You might know what this feels like, especially if you're a kid in the room. Any kids in here like to play hide and seek? Any kids? Yeah? Okay. When I was growing up, we owned a house that was on the corner, kind of in the middle of the neighborhood. So all the neighbor kids would come over to our house for baseball and basketball and football. We had like the perfect yard and driveway for that. But not only that, but we had a, a, a small basement, but it was great for playing hide and seek. Now, you couldn't play with the lights on because it was too easy to see everybody. So we would play with the lights off. And when I was a young little guy, maybe like seven or eight years old, this would terrify me. So we would kind of leave the lights on, everybody find their spot. When the person who was the seeker came down, they had to flip the light switch off, grab a flashlight, and do flashlight hide and seek with the rest of us. And you would sit there in the dark, terrified, wouldn't you? And you weren't terrified you'd be found, you were terrified Oh, you wouldn't be found. You'd be terrified of what was lurking in the darkness. And when you were little, little, before you got old enough to maybe get a little braver, a little more courage, you would literally sit there and think, they got to find me, they got to find me. And then sooner they'd be like, I'm here, I'm over here, because you were just so scared. Because you know nothing good grows in the dark, does it? You ever pick up a rock out in your yard, you got to do something with it, and you pick it up underneath, and the dark parts where that rock was, there's nothing good, is there? There's all kinds of millipedes and centipedes and moss and gross stuff on the dark side. Nothing good is there in the dark side. But in the light, good things happen. But this is also what happens when light comes piercing into things. Jesus builds on this in one of his books, the book of John, chapter 3. He talks about people actually being afraid of the light. And the reason that they're afraid of the light, he says, is because they're afraid the light will expose them. The light will actually reveal the things going on in their heart and in their lives. Instead of the light actually finding them, what if the light is there to hurt us? But that's actually the point of the story. I don't think it's an accident that these angels show up and the glorious says the light of the Lord surrounds them on a dark night. And then they're told where to go find the light. Luke 2 is probably the most popular Christmas passage. Everybody reads it about this time of the year. We all kind of celebrate it, right? It's the one that we just read. It's got Mary and baby Jesus, little eight pound, six pound baby Jesus lying in a manger, surrounded by animals, swaddling clothes, no crying he makes. Yeah, right. For all of you who have given birth, you know it's not how that story went down. But we love that story. But it's such a great story to us because of our culture. In the Hebrew, 2,000 years ago, first century context, That's not actually all of the story that got told. In fact, if you look at Matthew, when Matthew tells his version of the story, he doesn't even start there. He starts with a genealogy. And -and so-and-so, the son of so-and-so, the son of so-and-so, the son of so-and-so, until we get all the way down to Jesus. And it's like, wow, this is a really boring place to start. And then he's like, there's a guy named Joseph. He marries a lady named Mary. We don't hear much about Mary. Oh, by the way, the baby's born and some wise guys show up. That's like his version of the story. We totally bypass angels and shepherds and Mary and all that extra stuff. 
Luke, which you've already heard about, we got that one. Mark, he just skips it all together. Mark's like, meh, not important. And John is doing his own thing. But this is important because the way that each of them tells the story, they're trying to connect to a different audience. But yet they all have something in common. Take a look. Here's Matthew's version after he kind of flies through the birth. In Matthew 4, verse 16, he says this. The people living in darkness have seen a great light. On those living in the land of the shadow of death, a light has dawned. Does that phrase, in the land of the shadow of death, sound familiar to anybody? Perhaps Psalm 23? If you've ever been to a funeral before, you know it's like one of the most popular passages. Okay, so this is like, quick question. Who is living in the land of the shadow of death? Answer, this isn't a fun Christmas story. Like, thank you, pastor. We have our kids in here today. Everybody, we are all living in the land of the shadow of death. Because since sin came into the world, death is now a part of life. And we will have a beginning, and one day we will have an end. But therein is where the light shines the brightest. Because the end is dark, right? But the light shined in the darkness so that the darkness did not, could not, will not overcome the lights. That's the power of light. Whenever light comes in, darkness has to flee. And that's exactly what Matthew's trying to get to in verse 16. He's actually quoting Isaiah. The whole idea here is the entire earth is actually covered in this darkness. The darkness is the sin and death. And he came to shine a bright light so that anybody who would receive that light, there's no more darkness. See, that ought to just make somebody go, woo! We'll get you on the, thank you. We'll get you on the next one. You got to wait for me now, all right? Because if you got to ask for it, it's like, you know, if you make a joke and nobody laughs. All right, we'll get you on the next one. Here we go. Now let's take a look for a minute the way that John tells this birth narrative. Again, he skips all the babies and animals and Bethlehem and Journey and Joseph and Mary. He just jumps right into John chapter one, verse one. In the beginning was the word. And the word was with God and the word was God. And if you're reading this and you're not Jewish, you probably go, who is this word what is this? Next verse, he says, he, oh, so the word is a he, not an it, it's a he. He was with God in the beginning. And through him, all things were made. Without him, nothing was made that has been made. In him was life. And that life was the, what's the word there? Light, light of all mankind. The light shines in the darkness and the darkness has not overcome it. Which brings up a great question then, who is the he that is the word? Obviously you're here on Christmas, we know the answer. But let me tell you why it's important. If you go all the way back to the creation story of Genesis chapter one, we find that in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. And it says right there that the spirit of God was hovering over the darkness. Huh, interesting. So before God breathed life into creation, what we had was darkness. And then the very first words of creation are, let there be lights. And the whole idea is God brings forth lights into existence and out of that light then pops life and life starts to grow and flourish in trees and animals and eventually human beings flourishing and thriving inside the lights of God. And the power of that is we forget 
We wouldn't have life if God just went. (gasps) Everything in us has come from him pouring it into us, creating, fashioning, and continuing to provide in every way for us. And this is so powerful because John lets us know that word in him, the creator, is life and light. This is why an angel shows up to these uh, shepherds and it's like, hey guys, what just happened today in Bethlehem is going to blow you away. Okay, well, what is it? A baby. I feel like that happens a lot in Bethlehem. Are you sure that's gonna blow me away? Oh yeah, 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 yeah. Because this baby is just any baby. This baby is the creator of the world. This baby is God in heaven, took on flesh, come down here to dwell among us. So when you see him, You'll know him because he'll be in a manger wrapped in snuggling cloth and, you know, lair in this kind of weird environment. But don't mistake his weird environment for what's really going on. Veiled in flesh, the Godhead see. That's such a weird phrase that we sing every year. But what they're trying to say is we look at it, we think, well, that's a baby. Like every other baby. Oh, no, 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 no. Not like every other baby. This is the God of the universe in the flesh come to dwell among us. And that's the story that we tell over and over and over again at every Christmas and Christmas Eve service that we have. And we tell it every year. But if you're not careful, the story can get old for you. See, this is such an important biblical theme that what we have is 66 books of the Bible. So if you're visiting or you don't know a lot about the church or the Bible, let me just give you real quick, really, 66 books. We're gonna start in Genesis. I'll finish Revelation, you're right? Just pack in, hope you brought some candy canes. All right, I'm kidding. Here we go. The first 39 books are what we call the Old Testament. The second half, the 27 books, are what we call the New Testament. And the reason we call it Old Testament and New Testament is because all of it testifies to one person, Jesus Christ in his activity in the world from the beginning all the way to when he returns and after. Now that's important because the first 39 books, they keep giving us what we call prophecies and stories and pictures. Here's what it's gonna be like. Here's what it's gonna look like. Here you go, here you go, here you go. And in the middle of that Old Testament, there's this thing called the law. And the law was this thing to tell us what God wanted us to do on the earth, how God wanted us to live on the earth. It's like a list of do's and a list of don'ts. Do these things, don't do these things. And what's interesting is that very law is referred to in a very fascinating way. In Psalm 119, verse 105, David writes, your word is a lamp for my feet and a light on my path. Well, that's a little bit interesting in light of what John just told us, isn't it? Your word. So the actual Old Testament law in some way is the word of God. So when we look at this baby, he is somehow the righteousness of God, the law of God, the rule of God embodied. He is the communication of God, the face of God embodied. He is the truth of God revealed in a baby who would grow up to become a man, which is why Mark skips all that. He just jumps right in. He's like, let me just tell you about the man part. Because that's where we really start to see and understand that when Jesus walks around, it is God in the flesh. And everything he sees and does and the way he acts, the way he treats others, that's how God would do it in that moment. This is why John goes on in John chapter 1. He says this, the word, Jesus became flesh and made his dwelling among us. We have seen his glory, the glory of the one and only son who came from the father, full of grace 
and truth. And out of his fullness, we have all received grace in place of grace already given. No one has ever seen God, but the one and only son who is himself God and is in closest relationship with the father has made him known. Now, this blew my mind, and I've said this. So if you've been at Kingsway, you've heard me say this. Forgive me. I get, the older I get, the more I repeat myself. Some of you know exactly what I'm talking about. So if you've been here before, you've heard me say this. The older I get, the more I... Anyway, I know. It wasn't that funny. That's as good as it gets. Come back sometime, all right? Anyway, God sits in unapproachable light is what Paul tells us. Recently, I've been praying, and I, and I just, in my prayer time, I said, God, I need you to remind me of your awesomeness because sometimes it gets easy to forget, doesn't it? Especially in the middle of setting up lights and trees and buying presents, running around and parties and eggnog, spoiled eggnog and all those different things. It gets really easy to lose sight of the important thing. I said, God, I need to remember again. And then I read this passage in preparing for today and God reminded me again, God sits in unapproachable light. Literally, no one, no one has ever seen God except Jesus. In fact, there's this guy in the Old Testament, his name is Moses, and he gets called up on a mountain to see God and be with God and talk to God as a friend talks to a friend, like as close as face-to-face you can get. But when he gets up there, he can't see God. In fact, he says, God, will you show me your face? And God literally looks at him and says, you can't. Like you literally can't handle my awesomeness. And if I say that, you would laugh and be like, okay, you're a dork. But when God says it, you're like, no, he's awesome. So what God does is he puts Moses in the cleft of a rock and it says his glory passed by. And when his glory passed by Moses sitting at a rock, Moses' face lit up, literally lit up. He came down like a candle off the mountain. And when he came down off the mountain, everybody was like, whoa, dude, Moses, what in the world have you got going on up there? And he's like, I was in the presence of God. And over time, the light began to fade a little bit. And so they kind of tried to hide it a little bit and veil it a little bit. And he'd go back up the mountain and meet with God again. His face would shine again. He'd come back down again. He'd go into a tent and meet with God again. His face would shine again. But over time, it would fade. But see, Moses never saw God face to face. He only got to see and feel the weight of the glory of God passing by. Remember Luke 2, when those angels showed up on that night, it says the glory of the Lord shone around them. There's something about the glory of God that is bright and light and profound. When the disciples, uh, Peter, James, and John, get called up into what we call a transfiguration on the mountain, Jesus comes and unveils himself for a minute. He strips off the flesh, and he's as he is in the heavenly form. And they said he was so bright, it was like lightning. It was blinding to them. See, here's the thing. No one has ever seen God face to face except, John says, the Son. And the Son has made him known to us. So when you look at him, you're looking at God the Father. When you look at him, you're seeing him completely. So when we gather tomorrow, we are not just gathering around a tree to sing some songs and hold some traditions. When we gather, we are gathering to remember that God took on flesh and dwelt among us. He became one of us. So that when your family or you get sick, perhaps with COVID, I don't know if that does anything, you know Jesus came and experienced something similar. 
And when there's brokenness, perhaps in your Christmas story with family, you know that Jesus experienced something similar. And it's interesting, we don't hear anything about Joseph after Jesus is 12 years old. Perhaps Jesus' earthly dad passed away at some point. If you're dealing with grief of losing a loved one at Christmas, you know that Jesus knows what it feels like to go through what you're going through. And if you're experiencing a joyous moment, Jesus went to weddings and laughed and joked with the disciples. He watched people give their lives to him and believe in him. Jesus' life literally embodied the human experience. So whatever you're going through, he knows and he understands. And better than that, he gave you his light. So that now you may live in a land of darkness. Death may still be the end of your story, but it's not the final chapter in your story. There is still an epilogue yet to be written when the light will shine forth and all the dead in Christ will rise again and join him for eternity in a kingdom that has no end. And that, yeah, we can clap for God. That is the Christmas story. Can't really separate Christmas from Easter, can we? Paul builds on this in uh, 2 Corinthians 4, 6. He says this, for God who said, let light shine out of darkness made his light shine in our hearts to give us the lights of the knowledge of God's glory displayed in the face of Christ. The light of the knowledge of God's glory. The way that we receive the light in us is through our knowledge and faith in Jesus Christ. I'm excited because we actually have, between this service and next service, A few people who are giving their life to Jesus and surrendering to him in baptism. And I am so excited. Yeah, yeah. By the way, I didn't plan on this or doing a special invitation, but if if that's you, man, just go to our Connect Up. We will find a way to make it happen if tonight's your night. We didn't plan on it. We didn't talk about it. We'll always take people ready to give their life to Jesus to receive the light of Jesus Christ. Now, here's the important thing. What Paul's building on is what Moses went up and got to experience just a glimpse of and it faded away and he had to get it again and faded away, got it again and it faded away. We get that permanently through faith in Jesus Christ. Now the light, because the face to face, that's exactly what Paul's building on. And put that passage up there for a second. The knowledge of God's glory displayed in the face of Christ. It's not an accident. He's saying those words specifically so you will know in Jesus Christ, you can have a face to face relationship with God and you can have his light in you, so that as you go out into the world in the new year, 2022, you could be filled with light and life and hope and joy and peace and love, no matter what life throws at you. That's the Christmas message. Years ago, I was at a conference, and at the end of this conference, it was for student pastors and kids pastors, and so at my last church, we were as a team, we were there. And on the last worship service of the last service part of the whole weekend, they gave us glow sticks. Now, keep your glow stick for a second, all right? They gave us these glow sticks, and they had everybody bust them open. And they said, what we want you to do before we bust them is we want you to pray and ask God to put the name of somebody on your mind and on your heart. And the person that we want God to put on your mind and on your heart is somebody that you know needs the light of Jesus Christ. So we all prayed. While we were praying, I was sitting there going, God, I have no idea. I don't have any idea what I'm supposed to have. Uh, whatever. 
So God, give me a name. And as soon as I said it, a name came to mind. And here was the name. It was the name of a student that I'd recently heard about who'd been coming to our church. And uh, my understanding, now it's been a couple years, but if I remember correctly, he came to our church youth group one time and had a terrible experience. And I was just praying. I was like, God, I don't know why you put the name on my heart. I don't know. I know he's been through a really traumatic time. I know a story. I don't have the right to share it with you. But God, would you help me? So everybody broke open their glow sticks and we worshiped. You looked around the room and it was just filled with light. It was just so beautiful. But I didn't break mine. And afterwards, like the team came in like, Matt, are you okay? And I'm, if I remember, I was crying. I was a wreck. I could be like that. And they're like, what's going on? I'm like, God, put this name on But I'm not allowed to break this glow stick until he receives the light of Jesus Christ. I don't remember exactly how long it was, but it was a few months later. At some point in that process, he uh, came to the church again. And as soon as I saw him that night at youth group, I, I grabbed a bunch of the other high school kids. I said, look, this kid's here. He doesn't know anybody. Your mission tonight, should you receive it, is to find that kid and love on him. He's never to be left alone. If he has to go to the bathroom, do it like the girls do it, guys. You follow him in, you talk to him, you know, make it really awkward, but he's not allowed to leave here without a friend. I didn't really say that, right? But he's not allowed to leave here without connecting. And slowly he felt welcomed and then he felt connected and then he went to camp with us. And within a few months, he gave his life to Jesus Christ and was baptized at my last church. Yeah. So take out your glow stick. Tomorrow, maybe tonight, maybe next week, you're gonna gather with a whole bunch of people. Some are gonna be family or friends or people you've reached out to at work and invited. Some are people you're gonna sit and listen to their stories. You know this is one of the saddest times of the year? Do you know there's, uh, because there's kids in the room, there's more individual tragedy that occurs over the next week than any other time of the year. The sorrow is profound for some people because they are isolated and alone and they don't have the light. I wanna pray and ask God to give you a name that as we close out our service, that this light that you've got in your hand is gonna represent somebody, a sister, a brother, a parent, a child, a neighbor, that God is gonna put a name on your heart of somebody you need to share the light of Jesus Christ with and then go take your light into the world. That's a little eye to mine. I'm gonna let it shine, right? Let's pray and then we'll break these open. Heavenly Father, my prayer right now is while Christmas is a gift to all of us, Christmas represents the light coming into the darkness. God, right now we pray, would you give us a name? Would you give us somebody in our lives, God, that the Christmas story wouldn't just be about us? It's so easy to get consumed with buying and giving and receiving presents. But God, that we wouldn't make it about us. We'd make it about the fact that light came into the world and shined a bright spot in our darkness. And God, some people will never reach out and say, here I am, I'm hidden, find me. Sometimes, God, we gotta take our light and we have to go look for them and find them. And God, may you give us the courage and the boldness to step into our faith that Jesus really is the son of God, God in the flesh, dwelt among us and now living inside us. And may that confident hope inspire us. In Jesus' name, we pray, amen.